Welcome to the How to Love Yourself No Matter What podcast. My name is Amanda Hess, and I am a certified life coach. If you are like me, you know that self-love is important. But did you know that it's the number one thing missing when it comes to creating a life you love? Listen in, friend. I'm going to share all my secrets because you deserve to love yourself starting now. Hello, and welcome to episode number 11, how to create stable romantic relationships. Okay. Let's talk about relationships and specifically, let's talk about romantic relationships. So I'm married. I have been married for 19 and a half years to the same man. And I have actually been in a relationship with my husband since 2001. We actually met New Year's Eve and he doesn't remember meeting me that night, (laughs) but that's a story for another time. So we have two kids. They're 11, almost 12 and 15. They're both boys. And one of the beliefs that I have about myself, one of the things I think is that I have a history of tumultuous relationships. And as I was writing this podcast, I realized that this is a thought that I have about myself and romantic relationships, but it's actually not the truth. So I started dating when I was 19. And I wasn't so much of a late bloomer as I was never really moving in groups of people where dating would have organically taken place. So because I was so severely bullied in high school, it took me a long time to feel comfortable hanging out with my peers. So I hung out primarily with adults in my teen years, adults and horses. So I worked at a horse stable that was basically across the street from my high school, and I found horses and adults were pretty awesome to me. I understood them, I knew how to interact with them, and I wasn't afraid of them. And truthfully, I could do a whole other episode on how university taught me how to hide being myself so that I could have a lot of friends. I used alcohol and people-pleasing to get there, and I really don't recommend it. Today, though, today we're talking about romantic relationships. So as I said, I met my husband when I was 21, and I was not what you would call an experienced dater. I have basically been in three actual relationships in my whole life. The first was with a boy who I had a crush on for months, and it's when I was in university. He had a girlfriend. He was literally all I could think about, and I drank a lot back then, and I did a lot of things that I look back on and really cringe, but in the end, we dated, I think for a few short weeks after he and his girlfriend broke up, and he was the first guy that I ever had sex with, and it was honestly a mess. It was a mess. I was a virgin and I didn't tell him because I had learned to lie about being a virgin because so many people made such a big deal about it. So I lied. I lost my virginity in the back of a van on a folding couch with someone who had no idea that it was my first time. Now, here's the thing I'm fairly positive looking back that it was his first time too. He never came, not one time. And everything was very performative. It was almost like 
we were in the middle of a porn, a porn, right? Like that's what it was like. And honestly, I thought it was my fault. And so I didn't tell anybody about that. And we broke up. I broke up with him after thinking he broke up with me. Like I said, the whole thing was kind of a mess. And I really had no self-esteem. I was confused about sex and I was a really good actor. And so shortly after I broke up with my boyfriend, I started dating a coworker. He was tall and manly and good looking in a kind of Ben Affleck kind of way. And it's interesting looking back, there were warning bells right away that I couldn't see because he was jealous and controlling and he didn't like any of my friends and my friends didn't like him. I was living in a house with a couple that were renting it out. I worked with the wife. She was a vet at the veterinary clinic where we both worked actually. And my boyfriend and I would get into violent screaming matches. He would call me nasty names and accuse me of cheating and chase me around. And then one night I had gone to bed after we had had a really nasty fight. And apparently he was trying to break in and see me. And my roommates were pissed. So I did what any young insecure woman might do with no self-esteem. I moved out and moved in with my boyfriend. That was my solution because that way no more pissed off roommates, right? But as you can imagine, things escalated when we moved in together. Things got so much worse. I was isolated, broke, and desperate not to be alone. So it's important to know that I grew up in a house full of screaming and yelling and name calling. And it's hard for me to even share this with you, but it's the truth. Because to me, this is what love was. If you loved somebody, that meant chaos and screaming and violence, followed by apologies and forgiveness and warmth. It's super fucked up. But subconsciously, that's what I thought love was. And I bet if you're listening to this, you might be able to relate. Now, I know that my parents grew up in homes where it was so much worse. I know they did the best they could do with what they knew, as did their parents, honestly. But the cycle of abuse, it is a real thing. Trauma is a real thing. Trauma needs light and air to heal. People need to admit it. People need to talk about it. We need to normalize it. Not normalize it from the standpoint of it's okay that you were traumatized or like being traumatized is a neutral thing, but instead from the standpoint of you have had trauma and it needs light and air to move through. Because here's the thing. I moved in with my boyfriend because I was ashamed of how other people saw and perceived our relationship. My trauma was wrapped in shame. And this is probably one of the most personal and gut-wrenching things I have ever shared with anyone. But I'm going to lead by example here because my trauma led me to an abusive relationship. But there is literally nobody to blame here. That relationship really was awful. It was yelling and screaming and dehumanizing and filled with shame. And I hid it from as many people as I could. He never actually hit me, but he came close. It took me a long time to leave. It took several tries. I left 
when I finally reached out to a counselor. I'd signed up for couples counseling, and the day before we had the worst fight we ever had, and he refused to go to counseling, but I kept the appointment and I lied about it too. I told the counselor the things that had I had been going on that I'd never told another person. And she was the one who told me that I I needed to leave. She told me that I was in danger. She told me that hitting was next. So I left. I was able to call my family who shut up that day and we removed all my shit from our apartment and I moved back home. I wish that I could say that I never talked to him again, but he stalked me for a little while. He showed up at my work and followed me around the parking lot. He would call over and over again while I was at work trying to get me on the phone. He went and saw my friends who were working at the mall. Now, keep in mind, it was like 19 or 20 years old then, right? He would do that to try and get to me. And he told anyone that would listen that I abused him too. And Honestly, that counselor probably saved me years, if not a lifetime, of continued abuse. But I'm not telling you this to garner sympathy. I'm telling you this to show you how you can end up with a borderline personality disorder diagnosis that comes out of a dysfunctional relationship. Because the truth is, the Amanda that walked out of that relationship was the same Amanda that walked into the relationship that I have now with my husband of almost 20 years. And in case you're wondering, I brought a lot of dysfunction to this marriage. I thought screaming was normal. I thought losing your shit and slamming doors and getting out of moving cars when you were pissed off was standard behavior. My husband did not. (laughs) He is my complete opposite. If he is upset, he gets quiet. He doesn't engage with aggressive behavior. He shuts down when I start to yell. I used to really hate myself for how I instinctively act when I feel unsafe. I used to hate myself for how I instinctively act when I feel unloved. I used to hate myself for how I instinctively act when I feel unworthy. Because if I feel any of these things, my instinct is to attack. And if you are listening to this podcast, I'm assuming that you might relate. Now, Maybe you don't, maybe you shut down, maybe you people please. I do these things too. But if I'm really triggered, if I'm really triggered, I will attack. And I used to make this the problem. The problem was me attacking, obviously. The problem was my reaction. But I'm just going to tell you right now, it's not the problem. And you will never solve this problem for yourself if you look at it this way. Never. You'll never solve it. I want you to. Think about an abused puppy. I have a German shepherd in my mind for whatever reason. And here is this sweet young puppy and somebody has physically abused it. Now, how does this puppy, how does this abused puppy act? They shrink, right? They pull away. And if they think that you're going to hurt them, they will attack you. Even if you were just going to try and pet them, that's their instinct, So how do you solve it? Do you beat the puppy for attacking you? Do you get after the puppy for attacking you? Now, I don't know if you have ever worked with abused animals, but I have. And in case you're unsure, please just trust that if this is the way that you handle an abused puppy, their behavior will get worse, not better. And you are the same. So 
if you are in a romantic relationship with someone who you attack when you feel unloved or unworthy or unsafe, and you have had previous trauma, this probably makes sense. Also, beating yourself up or trying to fix your behavior is never going to work. I know because I have tried all of it, every single thing. You are the abused puppy. And what does an abused puppy really need? They need unconditional love, right? How do you approach an abused puppy? Gingerly, carefully, coaxing, loving, inviting, right? What do you expect from an abused puppy? We expect that this is going to take time, that sometimes they're going to revert back to old habits. Sometimes their instincts are going to take over that we're going to need to start over as many times as we need to, that it's going to take time and love and attention and patience. You need the same thing. You need care, coaxing, and love and invitations to react differently. You need love and patience and lots of it. Now, listen, as you go to apply this work to yourself, there is something you need to know. It is your job to give this to yourself. It is not your partner's job. It is not your romantic partner's job to give you love and patience. It's great if they do, but it's not their job. It's yours. And you might be asking, like, what does she mean by that? And here's what I mean. You need to learn how to love you. You need to learn how to validate you. You need to learn how to have patience with you. You need to learn how to take responsibility for you. We take responsibility, but we take responsibility for the wrong things. Responsibility for the behavior is going to make the problem worse. It just is. Because the minute you think, I'm an asshole, you are going to feel shame, and that shame doesn't help anyone, ever, because shame wants to hide. And we don't want to hide from this. We want to embrace it. So what it looks like is loving ourselves through moments when we show up in our relationships like an asshole, okay? Love is not permission. Love is an emotion. What's way more effective than beating ourselves up is looking into the feeling you were feeling when you lost it with curiosity. Now, lots of times we stop off at anger or frustration or overwhelm, but I want you to ask a different question. What is under the anger? What is under the frustration? What is under the overwhelm? Almost always, almost always, it's hurt. You feel unloved. You feel unworthy. You feel unsafe. We don't need to solve for the anger, okay? We need to solve for the hurt. Because what creates a loving and stable relationship? Love understanding, communication, having a want match. Sure. But what is really needed is two people that take responsibility for their own self-worth. That's it. Because the rest comes from that. That is the end goal. I will work on building my self-worth, my self-belief, my lovability, and you work on yours. That's where solid, amazing relationships are built. That's where good communication begins. That's where solid boundaries come from. That's where mutual love and respect are built. And that's pretty cool, right? 
maybe a little scary to think that this is all in your control. And I will not leave you hanging on this. This is why I've decided to do a free live class. So I'm going to be doing a free live class at the end of the month, June 30th. And I've titled it Three Vital Steps to Creating Connected and Loving Relationships When You Have Been Diagnosed with Borderline Personality Disorder. It's an hour-long class. You can ask questions. I'm teaching you exactly what I did to build a kick-ass marriage. I don't know if I'm going to do it again. All right, so go to joinamanda.ca to sign up and I will see you there. Okay, friend, I hope this helps you, but you know you can come find me on Instagram, on Facebook, connect with me. Let's be friends, okay? Talk to you soon, bye. Thanks so much for listening. You can look forward to a new episode of this podcast every week. And hey, if you like this podcast, do me a favor and leave a review. When you do, it helps this podcast grow and it allows me to help more women just like you. And if you just know that you need help putting this all together, why don't you book a free consult with me? We can talk about you and what's happening in your life and put a real plan in place to manage the stress and anxiety for good. Just head on over to amandahess.ca slash book a call to set that up.